The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. On this episode, I am interviewing Ardra Shepard. Most of you know her from her social media account and blog called Tripping on Air. She shares her real-life experiences with MS and doesn't hold back. Ardra was named one of the top MS bloggers by Feedspot.com and has been a keynote speaker at events for the MS Foundation and MS Societies. She also recently launched her own TV show called Fashion Dis, which empowers those with chronic illness to stake their place in the world and encourages the fashion industry to have adaptive options that include people of all mobility levels. Ardra has had the unique opportunity to participate in the PONS clinical trial in Canada. And if you haven't heard of it, PONS stands for the Portable Neuromodulation Stimulator. And it's a new device that is being tested specifically in people with MS to help with mobility. On today's episode, Ardra shares what the trial was like, what benefits she observed and benefits she's continuing to see, and also a downside to PONS. Ardra, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we actually talked right during the first month that this launched, which was September of last year, which feels like forever ago, but also like last month at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like it was years ago, actually. But time is like a weird concept right now, right? Like, yeah, we're living in the time of perpetual bummers, I think. It's a great way to put it. Yeah, you were one of the episodes that we released with. So it's it's great to have you back on the show. And today we're going to be talking a lot about your experience with pawns. But before we do that, do you mind if I ask you a question from my interview deck to help our listeners get to know you a bit better? Uh, yes, I'm nervous, but le- yeah, <laughs> hit me with like a hardball question. All right, we'll see. I'm shuffling. Okay, your question is, Are you related to anyone famous or historical? And if so, who? Wow. Am I related to anyone famous or historical? Some of my ancestors were some of the first people to arrive in Canada, I think. My parents are really into tracing their ancestry. So like nobody really famous, but I don't know. Historical for sure. That sounds awesome. I feel like we've all probably got something somewhere. Well, my great-grandmother apparently was really good friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, and they would play bridge together weekly, I think. So that's That's, really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I wish we had diaries, you know, from our ancestors like that. I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay, let's just dive into it. First and foremost, a lot of people listening might not even know what PONS is. So can you explain what it is? 
I mean, I can try to explain. I'm not really great at science type questions, but it's a neurostimulation device. And I'm also, I'm not a science person. I'm also not a spokesperson for the company. So I would suggest that you do your own research, but basically it is a device that sits on your tongue and it provides stimulation to your tongue. It's like a portal to your brain, I guess, to make your brain more awake and more receptive to neuroplasticity so that as you're doing certain movements, you can create new neural pathways or strengthen and reinforce existing ones. And you are a science person. Does that make sense? Does that sound legit? I think that makes sense. I love that. It's a portal to your brain. I was actually working with a client. Oh my gosh. I can, I don't even know how many years ago. I want to say like seven years ago and she had MS and she heard of PONS and it was only available in Canada. And it's still for the most part, only available in Canada, but it was like just brand new and clinical trials hadn't even started yet. So now clinical trials are starting. You can actually get access places. And it's been such a buzz word because it's so different from other forms of electrical stimulation because it sits on your tongue. How did it feel? It was described to me as champagne bubbles. I'm like maybe more like ginger ale. <laughs> it's just, it's not painful. It's just a little tingling sensation on your tongue. Thing. So awesome. yeah, I will say that when you use it for an hour or for any length of time, really, you need a break before you have something to eat. Like, I think it numbs your taste buds <laughs> a little bit. So oh, wow, but I think cool. one thing that is exciting about this kind of intervention is it's not really risky or side effecty like so many other MS things. Right, right. And so you had a unique opportunity to be in a clinical trial. So can you explain, first of all, how you got part of that trial? Did you have to apply for it or how did that work? So I actually first heard about PONS directly from the company. Somebody reached out to me. I guess they had become aware of me through social media. So the sales pitch was really pretty aggressive. And I had read about PONS in Norman Doidge's book. And I was super skeptical. Like it sounded way too good to be true. And like anything that comes with a sales pitch, I was going to be skeptical about. But then I heard that my neurologist was hung up the trial in Canada and she's super respected brainiac. And I thought if she is willing to give this a shot, then I will too. And so it was during the recruitment phase and I contacted her to see if I would be a good candidate. And she thought that I would be. So that's how I got involved. Nice. That's really good to know. I feel like so often clinical trials just seem like something that other people are doing and it can be a little tricky to figure out how can you actually participate? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I think this is actually the first clinical trial I've ever been a part of. They do seem kind of like unicorns, right? Like how do you get involved and do you qualify? And I think once you've been in the MS game for long enough, there are enough things that disqualify you from certain treatments. So yeah, I felt really lucky to be involved in this one. Yeah. So give us some details on it. How long was it? And also what did you have to do? It was pretty intensive because I was following along with your journey as you were doing it. 
Yeah, it is intensive. And I think it's not a miracle. It, it doesn't do the work for you. So you use the device in combination with fairly intense physiotherapy. So you have to really be willing to put in the work. I think it's also really mentally exhausting too, because you're physically fatigued, but I mean, everything when you have progressive MS and you see yourself deteriorating, like trying to measure any small improvement or change can be emotionally taxing. And so for me, the trial was three months long, but the first two weeks are particularly intense. You're there for a half day every day. And so you are being measured and evaluated constantly. And so, you know, of course, you understand that there's going to be an intake evaluation to get a baseline of where you're at. But when you're being measured and looking for improvements, you know, three or four days later, even a week later, and you personally aren't seeing them, like it can be a psychological thing, you know, to feel like how soon am I supposed to be seeing improvements? And that's where the Norman Doidge book is bananas, because the example in that book, the guy goes in tries the device and like 15 minutes later he's doing cartwheels and i'm exaggerating but it's basically that and that was a very long answer to the question i don't even remember <laughs> <laughs> no that's so true i didn't even think about that so it was intense physically for sure but also mentally just with that comparison and so the first two weeks you had to go to physiotherapy daily yeah. what was the therapy like after those first two weeks then it was once a week in clinic, but you were expected to do the exercises on your own at home. So you're using the device two hours a day with a break in between for the first two weeks. And then for the next three months, I believe it was an hour a day that you were supposed to be doing these exercises on your own at home. So yeah, it's, it's quite intense. Wow. And so when you were in the clinic, as well as at home, were these exercises, and I'm just curious, since I'm a PT, were they standing? Were they sitting? Were they strengthening versus stretching? Like, what were they like? So the PONS protocol itself has like very strict parameters. They're just not practical for everyone with progressive MS. And I definitely fell into that category. So right from the start, my program was customized to me. I think the protocol is something like 20 minutes of just standing right for to balance and like closing your eyes so first of all super boring but really difficult and you can imagine for me anyway with secondary progressive ms two hours of physio in a day is just it's not yeah i mean you've got to find a practical way to kind of hack that so i think different centers that are administering the treatment and doing the research maybe tweaking it a little to individuals that makes sense to me and i i mean i'm not the pawns expert so i can't say exactly i mean of course when you're doing a study it's got to be this right. is how we're doing it but you know meditation is a component of it we didn't do that i'm like outing my <laughs> clinic now but we didn't do it so for me really it was about identifying where I am the absolute weakest and then working that almost exclusively. So while we did do some balance exercises, because I do have wonky balance, my right leg is weaker and my right foot drop. And so we did a lot of breaking down the smallest movement that you need to get that leg functioning and then 
repeating it with the device and in this physio type capacity. Yeah. My thought when you're saying that is that it's geared towards neuroplasticity. So the way that you get neuroplasticity to work, AKA the way that you get your brain to find or strengthen those neural pathways is exactly what you're saying, doing very specific exercises with good form over and over and over and over again. And so by using the pawns, I believe the idea is that it helps activate those neural pathways so that your brain finds those neural pathways quicker. Yeah, absolutely. And that is physically exhausting for me to lay on a table and try to evert my right foot a few degrees, but then to do it over and over again. It's tiring, but it's also very mentally and psychologically effortful as well, right? Because it, it's different, I think, when you're exercising in the gym, when you're healthy and you see yourself putting on muscle and seeing improvements, breaking down what's happening in your body to the things you're struggling with the most that you might otherwise be able to not ignore, but not really pay as much attention to. It's, it's yeah. a lot. And maybe we should have done the meditation. I don't know. <laughs> you know, my favorite part of being a PT is working individually with each person. However, that often is me identifying all the weakest areas. And that can be super discouraging and defeating. Because sometimes you don't know, right? Like, yeah. You, yeah, it's like, it sounds bananas that you wouldn't be super hyper aware of what's not working right. But sometimes it's like, oh my God, I didn't know that that was not doing what it's supposed to do. It's yeah, it can be really hard. Yeah. And that's tough on me. Cause then I'm that person making all of these observations that are making you feel bad. <laughs> no, it, you are such a cheerleader for this community. I know that your patients love you. I think it's just <laughs> for me, I have always prioritized exercise and physiotherapy, and it has been kind of a psychological hurdle all along to remind myself to be satisfied with getting worse slower even though I'm putting in all this work. I've had so many PTs say to me, well, think of how you would be if you weren't doing all this work. It's yeah. hard, yeah. Yeah, so well, let's talk about your results. What benefits, if any, did you notice from the trial? So for me, it was about walking speed and endurance. And I think that progression can be so insidious with MS. You can't really pinpoint exactly when it happens, you know, it's like, when did I stop being able to do this or that? Or, you know, when did my walking slow down to this? You don't notice it as much. It's the same with improvement. And I think if I hadn't been the kind of person that I am that tracks everything so religiously, I'm not sure that I would notice my improvements quite as much. I use a rollator to get around. I still do after the trial. So I'm not one of those miracle stories that has been able to trade in a mobility aid quite yet. But so for me in the clinic, it was about measuring my 25 foot timed walk and I cut that time way down. And we all know that that's sort of a marker of progression in MS. and the needle never moves in like the good direction i find so i mean that was like a big big shock to me but the other thing that i did religiously and i still do is my daily walk around the block i have an app called run keeper which like i'm not running I used yeah. To use anyway. that app. yeah yeah no it's great 
So it tracks my distance. I do the same distance. I have like two routes. I have my, I feel good route and my, you know, more tired route, depending on the day. And I keep track of those times and I dropped those considerably. And I will say I had a fall, quite a setback at the end of February and I fractured my L1. So quite a setback, which is a whole other sidebar. People with MS look after your bone health. I was subsequently diagnosed with secondary osteoporosis. That's a story for another day. <laughs> it's now June and I am walking faster than I was a year ago still. So wow. even with that setback, I don't know, with secondary progressive, you don't expect to be walking more steps and faster, yeah. even marginally than you were a year before. So, wow. And yeah, I remember you posted a video, a side-by-side -side video of your walking before the trial and you're walking, either you were done with it or you were close to being done with it. And it's a drastic improvement in speed for sure, as you mentioned, but even the quality looks like that improved as well. Yeah. And I think like a lay person wouldn't maybe notice that, but it delights me that you notice that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because it is exciting for me, you know, yeah. but I think for a lot of people without MS, they're like, mm, you're still like slow walking with a rollator, but those seconds add up to more energy in the day and you can get more done. And, and also just being able to delay further progression as long as you can put that off. I don't yeah. like, I haven't been on a drug that's been able to do that for me yet. So yeah. So were you able to keep the PONS unit and have you been continuing it? Is that why you think you've continued to see these results? So it was explained to me that your gains are yours to keep. So once you make those neural pathways, you get to keep them. But of course, MS can still progress. So I did not get to keep my device, which I am sour about, but I invested in one. So I am continuing to use it. I'm not doing the same aggressive physio, but you know, I'm at a point in my MS where my activities of daily living feel like physio for me. So it would be one thing for me to feel like I'm going to stand and make dinner and I'm going to be wrecked at the end. But now I feel like I'm going to stand and make dinner, but I'm going to use the pawns while I'm doing that. And so I'm getting like a balance training exercise at the same time. So yeah, I kind of just keep it around my neck and wear it throughout my day when I'm moving, when I'm doing anything really. And maybe that's not appropriate for everyone. If it's not a challenge for you to get up and walk across the room, then it's probably not going to benefit you to use it in that setting. But for me, you know, it's, it is a challenge for me to walk across the room. And it's also, I think it gives me good habits because it does make me think devices in my mouth. This is an opportunity. I'm going to really focus, even if it's just 15 steps, I'm going to focus on making sure I make those steps as healthy as possible. It's like incorporating those little hacks into your day. I love that. My whole thing is all about functional exercise, which is exactly what you're describing, because what's the point in getting stronger if that doesn't improve your walking or yeah. your cooking, or, you know, if you're stronger, you want to be able to utilize that strength doing day-to-day -day tasks. So I think that sounds like a great plan to me. I mean, yeah, I feel like I could pick your brain about this forever because 
there is that line for many of us where, you know, it's like, is doing the laundry, does the cost of that to my energy reserve outweigh the benefit of clean clothes and also a bit of exercise? You have to think about every little bit of energy you spend. And so psychologically, it helps me to think that it's helping to keep me moving and strong and not just obliterating my energy. (laughs) I recently developed an app. And one of the main reasons I developed the app is to help with tracking. And I'll use the word things because you can track your exercises, but another part of the app is tracking your movement because so many people don't remember to think of that as exercise. I love that. Is this app available? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's free for anyone with Android or Apple. Okay. And I think it's so important because I can't tell you how many times people, my clients have been so bummed that they didn't exercise yet, but I'll ask them and they had already showered. They'd already gotten dressed that day. They'd made it downstairs and all those things count as movement, as exercise. And it's important to understand that because you're right. If you don't, you'll feel like you didn't do anything that day. I will say two things about that. So the app that I use that tracks my meds and symptoms, it also lets me say like, I did housework, I went for a walk, I worked from home, I had a social outing. It doesn't have showering, but I feel like that should count for 10 things, especially (laughs) if you dried your hair. But I also really feel strongly about my apps and maybe it's a personality type, but my apps and even the pawns keep me accountable and they push me. It's like, if I don't see that score of how many steps I got, it's like, it's not worth it or it didn't happen. It really does push me and motivate me. I love seeing that I took more steps last year after I started pawns. I took like four times more steps a day in the year than I did the year before. Yeah, that motivates me as well, seeing the tracking for any time, even if it was a month ago versus a year ago. And also like a bit of a flag. If you're like, why am I taking fewer steps here? What do I need to cut back on or address? I really firmly believe that what gets measured gets managed. So Mm -hmm. I love that. So were there any downsides to pawns, whether it be the device itself or the trial or the company, any negatives that people should know of? I mean, I feel like, you know, when you're a kid and they tell you, if you make a face, your face is gonna stay like that. I'm like a little bit worried that I'm gonna get Pond's face from having this puckered (laughs) mouth. (laughs) That's just my vanity. But yeah, the cost of the device is incredibly disappointing and discouraging. It's so amazing that there is a technology out there that can help people with MS and probably other conditions too, in a measurable and meaningful way. From the time I purchased the device to now, the mouthpieces have gone up from $500 to $2,000. And the device has gone up from $5,000 to $10,000. So it's pretty gross. And those mouthpieces need to be replaced every three months. So this device can help a few people or it can help a lot of people. And I think it's really gross. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the call to action is. I just feel like really disappointed that this technology that has really no side effects or downside is not more available. 
Yeah, because accessibility in general is really challenging when you have MS. I mean, one thing that I've noticed with my clients is just getting to the physical therapy clinic and then doing your exercises there for 30 minutes or an hour and then getting back, that could use up all your spoons for the day. Yeah. So yeah, accessibility is a huge thing in general. And sounds like this is one of those things that is just still for the most part inaccessible for most. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if the long-term plan is for insurance to cover it. I think that would probably be motivation or, I mean, I I can't really say, but I just think it's heartbreaking and angering. And I mean, even the study participants weren't allowed to keep their devices and the company can't do anything with them. They just go in the garbage. So I'm almost reluctant to talk about the virtues of the device because it's like, here's this thing that can help you, but you can't have it because you can't afford it because it's crazy expensive. Yeah. Well, hopefully insurance companies will start covering at least a piece of it, if not the majority of it at some point, because yeah, that's not sustainable. As you mentioned, it needs to be replaced. And with that high of a cost, it's just unrealistic for most people. I think also it's not something I ever would have invested in if I hadn't been able to try it for free. You know, like it's something a, that you want to know you're going to get some benefit out of, but you also need to know that you can commit to that level of intensity and physio that you're going to use it. But then you get a taste of that improvement and it's like, you want to mortgage the house so you can keep, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. And for those listening, you can find out if there are clinical trials happening near you. The site that I usually go to is clinicaltrials.gov and you can just type in pawns. You can put in your zip code and see if there is anything that you can participate in. So I'll keep you guys posted if I do hear more on availability and accessibility. Before I let you go, Arja, can you give us an update on Fashion Disc? Last time we talked, I don't think you had started filming yet, but you were right about to. And now it's launched and done amazing. Give us a behind the scenes on that. Yeah, Fashion Disc is a new Canadian television show that I created and I'm the host of, it is a makeover show that introduces accessible clothing brands, but it also celebrates and highlights the fashion and beauty potential of people with disabilities. People with disabilities have been left out of the fashion and beauty industry. You know, even the canon of those images that we see in print. And so it's a television show, but every episode ends with a high fashion photo shoot and the participants get to keep those images. I think back to when I started tagging my photos, Babes with Mobility Aids in 2017, you couldn't find any examples of the cool kids with mobility aids. And of course, now you can on social media and things have changed so much in the last few years, but it's still social media. It needs to be in mainstream media. And so that's kind of the goal of this show. And so season one is now available. You can stream it ami.ca. I want to say, um, <laughs> I'll yes. put the link in the show notes too. If anyone does want to watch awesome. it, I'll put the I link mean, it's there. such, it's a really good show. I'm so proud of it. The participants are all amazing people. It was really, really exciting. So yeah, season one, watch it. I'm really proud of it. And then I'm also working on, I'm launching a new podcast. So. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. What is it going to be called? Do you know? It's going to be called Tripping on Air. So it's really like the audio version of my blog, which is basically a lot of swearing about MS. (laughs) 
So look for that. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that's going to be so great. I feel fortunate that I get to talk to you and see you as we're recording this. And I think it'll be so great for other people to hear you consistently and become their new podcast best friend. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure and an honor. Every time I get to talk to you, like I think there's so many great people in this MS world and community. And so, yeah, being able to connect and see people's faces. I'm really excited about that part of it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your experience. I know not many people have been part of a clinical trial for PON. So I appreciate you sharing all of that with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.